Welcome back to The Deep Fade. My name is Zach. Joining me is Mr. Producer Extraordinaire Brendan. Hello. Today, running through the mostly underwhelming Super Wildcard Weekend. Um, touching on each of those games today, take a little break, take the other half, and then going to uh, take care of picks on Friday. But first, Brendan. Hmm. Did you actually enjoy watching most of these games? <laughs> no, I was really excited to see uh, Lions Rams, obviously, because that was the, the only one that held up the implications. And which yeah, is surprising. Surprise, but... surprise. It was the only actual good game. So, no, like. I think that uh, the script was kind of leaked to us beforehand in the sense that I think Browns Texans we thought could be good, but otherwise I mean, Chiefs Dolphins wasn't going to be fun. The conditions there were inhumane, like Siberian wilderness type crime and punishment deal where they're all atoning for their sins by having to play in that game. Um, it's a Cowboys game, so either they were going to blow them out like the commanders or blow it again. And then, again, like I think a lot of it plays into the weather for any of the teams that had to play outside. And then the other games had teams like the Bucks and the Browns and the Eagles, where I don't think that stirs anyone's blood. But, I mean, to start with the, is it the widest margin of the weekend? I think so. Uh, mm -hmm. Browns lost by 31 to the Texans. Flacco turned back into a pumpkin. I mean, to your point that you were making earlier, this is Flacco, and looking at, back at it, and even in the games that they were winning, he had a lot of turnover-worthy plays, which you would classify as throws that... I think that um, Josh Allen gets away with this sometimes, too, as much as I love him, where he just hits a defender so hard, like, in the chest, that they just don't catch it. That Or the, um, the old... Like, a three-point shooter is so open that he takes too long and bricks it, where I think in the playoffs, defenders are a little bit more ready for your mistakes, and, I mean, that came to it. I don't think I've ever seen back-to-back -back pick sixes. <laughs> like, I was, I was watching this while it was slow at work, and I missed the second one because I looked down for two minutes, and I looked back up, and the score changed, and I don't know. It's not, we shouldn't have been surprised. And this was something that I was hammering that anyone who bets on Joe Flacco is going to feel really dumb. And here we are. I mean, it's just like, uh, like I was saying, I mean, obviously he had the two pick sixes, which is, it, it doesn't really necessarily fall on him necessarily as much as it does, you know, luck, RNG kind of thing. But uh, he was playing like his same game virtually and it just wasn't sustainable because the defense couldn't, you know, hold them up right so I, I think that's just kind of what we should have expected or anticipated in some capacity if you put a 2012 Ravens fan into cryogenic stasis and then woke him up for this game do you think that he would have been surprised at all mm. <laughs> well no because like I mean Flacco which is kind of still a credit to Flacco that he plays even the same as that 10 years later but yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it, it's pretty much Flacco's game, but I, I think they would be maybe a little bit surprised if you didn't turn it up for the, the playoffs because that's what he was notorious for was, you know, if he made the postseason, then he was going to make a run, but sometimes he, he just wouldn't even make the postseason, so. 
He did it once. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. He uh, he got to some some pretty high rounds a few times. Look, I'm not here to debate the, the Flacco legacy argument, but as far as the rest of this game went, um, Texans outside of Stroud, who we will absolutely get to, deserve a lot of credit for how the supporting cast held up. Uh, Laramie Tunsil held up against Miles Garrett, which was probably the most impressive thing, considering I think Miles Garrett's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Houston's O-line deserves major credit for holding up all year, especially after, at the beginning of the year, they were, like, destroyed by injuries, and people were worried that was going to ruin Stroud, and then it very quickly proved to not be the case. Cleveland's number one overall DVO defense got one hit on Stroud and zero sacks. I believe eight hurries, but that didn't actually affect him because he finished 16 for 21 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. He is the only rookie quarterback to win a playoff game. He tied the rookie record for touchdowns in a playoff game at halftime. And, I mean, like, just for how he plays, he was peppering downfield just like he did all year. He was first in the NFL this year in average depth of target. He was third in passer rating all year and was damn near perfect to this game. And he averaged 13 yards per attempt in this game against the number one defense in the league. And the question is, of the QBs that played this weekend, well, first, is he the best one that played this weekend? Mm, And it's funny because I think the other option is also a sort of rookie. Man, I mean, I... Oh, man, that's a tough one because, I mean, you've got Mahomes and you got Allen. I mean, in terms of the game that he played specifically, yeah, yeah, I think he definitely played the best game. But, like, is he the best? Uh, that I, was that was the second half where, no, you can't say that in good conscience. It comes back to the arguments of who do you want the next five years. And now I think it's Stroud third because mm-hmm. you can't reasonably say him over Mahomes or Allen just because they're the top two. Yeah, I still think you gotta take a little Mahomey. <laughs> you gotta take a little Mahomey over him still. Sorry. Canceled. And then Allen, for the same reasons as Mahomes, just 1% lower on the totem pole. Where, and this is exactly why, if you have a chance to reset and take a great rookie quarterback, you need to. Because now, what are the Texans gonna do? Like, they're just gonna build more around him for the next three years without having to pay him. And it's going to be amazing. Every Stroud throw was impressive, even from his weapons. Like, Brevin Jordan, with that long touchdown, looked... He's always been just like that fast tight end who can't block, an oversized receiver, a la Darren Waller. He looked good. Nico Collins plays like A.J. Green, and there's just no justifiable explanation of why he turned Stroud turned this third-year player into a pro bowler like Noah Brown's out. Who cares? They're going to put up a game. Do not forget earlier in the season, they put the fear of God into the Ravens. Mm. I thought it's pretty funny that they put the Browns and the rave or not the Browns, the, um, the Texans and the Ravens into the Saturday midday window, even though it's the number one seed, just because they have to relegate the Texans there every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just allergic to prime time for whatever reason, but it's going to be a really fun game. I was kind of pulling for that to happen once it was the the two options between the Steelers and the 
And the Texans, I was pulling for the Texans to be our game. Are you scared? <laughs> what do you think based on that statement? I am not scared. No, I'm. I'm excited for. Would you have been more matchup. nervous about the Browns? Uh, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Because I mean, that's the kind of thing with like the AFC North. Anyone can almost. It feels like anyone could beat anyone at the, like any point because they just have so much time to study. Uh, Divisional games get weird. Like, yeah, no, they, they have so much time to study our game. It's like you almost never know what they're going to pull out of the bag. Also, like, again, it's Lamar in the playoffs where he has not gotten all the way. And he's going up against a rookie QB. So, like, honestly, I, I kind of agree with you that I'd be more comfortable against the Tekken Texans just because as amazing as Trout is, he is fighting against almost a century of history when it comes to how rookie QBs and teams like this can advance. It's a great story, but I think that it might be where the wheels fall off also because Stroud does have his warts when he gets pressured and the Ravens are going to pressure you. Oh yeah. Mike McDonald future uh, next year head coach is going to draw up some crazy stuff. I promise. Do you think he's going to get it after one year? Yes. hundred percent. He's got, bunch of offers from i know the the titans for sure i think he got one well it might have been todd munkin our oc got one from i would think Chargers. or no i that was my mistake yeah it's munkin that um well okay the chart that would oh my god the Chargers firing hiring another guy who performed well as a coordinator in one year would be hilarious yeah no disrespect <laughs> to munkin who has been awesome it's just you know after staley i think they need to hire like John Fox, just be, to uh, undo the bad juju of hiring an intern to be their head coach. Yeah, no. I, I wouldn't agree with the decision, but maybe that's just me being biased because I want to keep him, but uh, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't even speak on it at that point. Coming back around, Stroud's going to be, I think, at least impressive in that game. Flacco, I, I take out the picks, and honestly, I thought he was fine, which I know is not like when, uh, when you're a quarterback saying take out the picks is like saying you know, you know, you're a marathon runner, but take out the time. Like it, it matters that he threw two pick sixes, but otherwise I think that he was passable and I do not think he will be on the couch at the start of next year, but no, I was, I was having the same, you know, dialogue with a few other people. I'm like, he really did secure himself uh, another gig in the NFL for another year, just with his performance this year. So I, it's really going to be up to him whether or not he wants to retire or stay in the league. Yeah. I think that he bought himself another year or two, if he really wants to stay on, um, do the Browns, they're in such a weird spot with the quarterback because I feel like Flacco, the Flacco and all that involved kind of reset the, the outward image of the organization because uh, going back, like, Deshaun really bailed out the Browns in a lot of ways by being bad because a discussion of the Browns where Deshaun Watson is leading them to this 11-5 and record and they're really good and he's really good is a lot more uncomfortable than Deshaun's bad and got hurt and now Flacco's doing it. Haslam's and them got the all-time, like, deus ex machina, could not have expected Joe Flacco to come in and reset the vibes around the team. 
But going into next year, it's going to be the same thing where you have a underperforming $230 million fully guaranteed quarterback who is, you know, not the greatest guy that you now have to answer questions about again because your, you know, fun-loving dad sleeping on the sideline is gone. Or if he's there, they're not going to start him. Like, I saw some... <laughs> Sorry for the tangent, but I saw something on Twitter that said, CJ Stroud's touch is so nice that Deshaun Watson would hire him for a <laughs> massage. And I just, that really resonated with me. But again, it speaks to the point that now that the Brown season is over, that's what's going to start coming back. And they're going to have questions to answer. Look, they can't move on from him financially. It's not even like Russell Wilson, where you could just eat the dead cat money. He is fully guaranteed, and it would ruin what otherwise is a pretty good team. So they're going to start him. It's just, does Deshaun improve? Not that I particularly want him to, but that's the only thing they can hope for. I would say, like, I wrote down here, do they consider drafting someone, but does having J.J. McCarthy behind him really make a difference? J.J. McCarthy. I mean, think about it. They don't have their first rounder. Like, Oh, shoot, that's right. I don't think they do, at least. Yeah. Where, or, I mean, if you're up there, I guess you could say Knicks, but, yeah, their they're pick's going to Houston. Down there in the second round, you're at the the J.J. McCarthy's of the world. Hell, Bo Nix. But at that point, again, you're taking... McCarthy's younger, but you're taking an older guy behind Deshaun. Is that really solving anything? Oof. They I, have uh, round two, a round three, and a round five, and that's that's where it ends. The sporting cast is not the problem. Oh, sorry. Wait, no, no. <laughs> there, there's a five, six, six, and seven. Sorry. <laughs> I had to scroll down. Whoopee. <laughs> But no first. Anyway, I I do not wish them well. Dolphins, Chiefs was inhumane. And everything that we thought about coming into this game, where it was the stat proliferating everywhere that Tua was 0-10 in games under 30 degrees, 40 degrees. And I think sometimes it's overblown because it's professional athletes that because they play in Miami that they're not able to travel to different environments but like i barely want to go outside today so i can't imagine playing football for hours there shout out to the sideline crews for even being able to survive that everything came to fruition though i mean outside of the one long pass to tyreek they didn't have anything going and underrated thing uh, when it's that cold anything that hurts hurts a lot more so those banged up players in moster and hn and waddle and even hill like, that's not helping. Pass rush couldn't do anything. Rasheed Rice, I think, ultimately determines how far this team can go. Like, Mahomes is obviously the, the match to everything, but without any Tinder, no receivers playing up to standard, it doesn't really matter. And I think, and I think you can understand this, a lot of time this season we've had conversations that talk about Mahomes in the same way that people were talking about like Lamar last year or the year prior where because of a lack of weapons or in Lamar's case, the presence of Greg Roman. (laughs) Future Bears OC, by the way. Future Bear OC Greg Roman. 
people tend to talk about Mahomes like he's not still the best quarterback in the NFL. In conditions like this, 23 for 41 for 262 and a touchdown is really good. Mahomes still looked like the best player in this game. And even Kelsey played up to standard more so. It's just Rice looked amazing. He didn't look like Hill because he's a rookie. But I think if Rice has like come to into his own at this point in the season and continues to play like this throughout the playoff rounds, I think if they get this Rasheed Rice against the Bills, they'll win. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I really thought that Rasheed Rice was the X factor for this game as well. I was, you know, having that dialogue with a lot of my friends. I was like, this is going to be the Rasheed Rice legacy game because I really, it really was. I really do think he's the most competent receiver by a wide margin on that team. And I think he just has to come into his own. And I'm really excited to see him next year, especially. I think that's a great point because for Mahomes, especially for guys of that caliber, competency is the game and that's what was so great about kelsey all the time it wasn't that he was this elite athlete or like the gronk type tight end bowling people over he was technical he understood what mahomes wanted and he was competent to a t dotted all of his eyes crossed all his t's did not make mistakes now that he's older and with age just become comes lethargy and as anyone who uh has watched their father try to get off the couch knows that sometimes things that were easy aren't anymore. Like having Rice come in and be able to be competent and not make those rookie mistakes is everything. Oh yeah, no, 100%. And I think that a big reason why they've been struggling down the late stretch is because they're trying to, you know, compensate for the fact that Kelsey is what you just described, you know, losing a bit of a step and they need to dial back on the reliance that they've been having on him in their offense, you know, and his ability to bail Mahomes out. So I think this opens up a lot of opportunity for Rushy Rice to become that player in some capacity. I think this was like the first game where I felt comfortable with how they, um, how the balance of power in that offense was shifting, where Rice finally looked comfortable in that role, Mm -hmm. in that role that, Tyreek had played before him again not to compare them they're different players but in terms of the the fraction of the offense that you are that you are trying to take up it made a big difference and like like the Chiefs the Chiefs sacked two or three times they hurried him 10 hit him a few like they were able to get pressure on him but it was a lot on him uh, and that's a it's a function of this offense. If you can disrupt the timing of their offense, which in the cold doesn't make it any easier, and his amazing amazing weapons aren't getting open, then Tua freaks out. He is a great step one attacker. If he knows how to solve the math problem with the given formula, he's got it. If he has to free ball it, he freaks out. And so, my question is. I, I mentioned it offhandedly earlier, but if they want to keep Tua, which I assume they do because it's just so hard to find even a QB you're comfortable with, much less one that's great. Tua, again, was top five in so many statistics, but it comes back to you watch playoff games and you understand what the problem is. So if he signs an extension, is it the biggest one that we've seen? Again, does to attack if I reset the quarterback market again. Oh, God, please. Because no. it feels like if they're going to sign, 
look, no reasonable agent is going to be like, yes, we're going to take less than the last guy. That's true. Yeah. So if it's going to be, if it's going to be like a couple of million dollars more than your Herberts or Burrow, that feels insane. Because say what you will, especially about Herbert, but you know Burrow had, you know Burrow had people early, worried early in the season too when he was coming off. I believe it was a calf injury. Where, as much as you are concerned about them, they are perfect within their offense and then talented enough to make things work outside of it. I think Burrow honestly, at times is better than that at Herbert, but Herbert's better at former than Burrow. Tua is I want to it's going to be my it's going to be my homework in the offseason to find a better term than system quarterback because I think that's what Tua is but I don't think that that gives him enough credit for how well he does it because he's not like Alex Smith he's more talented to that he has incredible accuracy when able when he's able to put it on the money and he has receivers that play into his strength but I think that if he had Again, not to make the two and Herbert comparisons too much, but if he had the Keenan Allens and the Quentin Johnstons of the world, it would be rough. Not because Keenan Allen is bad. Yes, because Quentin Johnston is bad, but because they don't play to his strengths. He has everything set up, and it still isn't working. So I'd be worried. I mean, I would be too. I agree. The Bills are favored by two against the Chiefs next week at the moment, at least when I checked last night. It's not enough said from how I look at it, how similar these teams have been this season, despite having different paths where the Chiefs struggle down the stretch and the Bills obviously won out. But they have struggling number one receivers. I think Diggs was seven for 52. They have a surprisingly good defense that's bailing out their mistakes, the Bills especially, considering who they've lost this season, Milano and White being out. And they have negative narratives surrounding their QBs, despite the fact that they're still probably the two best in the league. So not only are we getting another chapter in Chiefs-Bills, which I don't remember a bad Chiefs-Bills game in the last three years. I think that coming out of this, we will be reminded how good these guys are because the conditions can only get better. Actually, it's still probably going to be cold as shit next Sunday, wherever they play. So it's going to be a lot of the same stuff, but both Mahomes and Allen looked like they could handle it. So we're going to make picks on Friday, but right now, I think that this is the most dead even that we've seen these teams when any other time I would have picked the Chiefs without really thinking about it. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm in the same position. I would probably still be towards the Chiefs, but eh. Because Rice looked good and because of the Chiefs pedigree, I think that sometimes we overrate that as the as the Packers and the Lions and the Texans all proved. It's not that I don't think that playoff experience is invaluable. It is. Like, what's the stat with uh, Brady and Belichick where, I mean, I think Belichick made AFC championship games at the same rate that like Steph Curry made free throws during his time with the Patriots when he and Brady were together where yes the experience matters and every time that you go there you get a little bit better but no one is at that level except maybe like Toblin 
And obviously, he has Mason Rudolph throwing the football for him. But I I think that we're starting to get more to... Again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, and next year the trend will completely reverse. But it's the first time Dan Campbell was there. It's the first time D'Amico Ryans was there. It's not the first time Matt LaFleur was there, to be sure, but it sure as hell was for Jordan Love and all of his receivers that if we want to take the stance of we're overrating experience, then take the Chiefs. Because if you just take this as an extension of the season, Rice just kept getting better, and if he plays the same way in this game, they're going to win. Because Diggs has been, again, averaging 50 yards a game, and you know what he put up this week? 52. Rice would be the best weapon in this game outside of maybe James Cook. Yeah, no, and that's really crazy to think about. If, if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year with a game that includes Stephon Diggs, I would have thought you were crazy. Unrelated, before we move on to the funniest game of the weekend, uh, most stream live event ever for Peacock in this wildcard game, I think it was $23 million. The the take that I have brewing on just live streaming rights is that as soon as possible, look, I know a lot of people complain about this, but enough people watched it to, to justify putting it on Peacock that slowly but surely both leagues and networks are going to try and force people to purchase live streaming rights for sports on their apps and their services because I think that's the big holdup and part of the reason why streaming is not as profitable as it could be if you're not the Netflixes of the world. So I think we're going to have another game like this next year and then Amazon's going to get one of them a year after that and then in a decade as frankly more and more old people go by the wayside and it's younger people watching sports or at least the you know the Gen X of the worlds that know how to use Peacock and Hulu, that we're going to get to a point in the next 10 years where half the games are streamed. I don't know if that's crazy, but that's just what I was thinking about as I was watching this on my phone. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to find a, another like efficient way to make money because let's be realistic. I mean, as somebody who is a fan of the Ravens, I think I watch most of my games illegally um <laughs> probably shouldn't say that on air but you know there is a just, cop waiting for you outside <laughs> it's just the reality of things and i know a lot of people that uh have the same experience you know if they're gonna be watching red zone when their favorite team is not on it's like that's probably where they're gonna be so however they need to make their money i mean i think that's how they're good uh maneuver things and the whole world of illegal streaming is a whole other rabbit hole to go down but broadly speaking for the people who don't want to do that which looking at numbers is the majority of people like more power to you but i think in in 10 years half the nfl wildcard games the super wildcard games when there are 10 teams on each side who make it it's gonna it's gonna be at least half streamed I think that's just the way we're going. All right. Packers. It sucks how much love looks like Rodgers because there's one or two throws. Like, you can pull up the clips of them where it's it's eerie. Just the, like, three steps back out of the pocket, sidearm throw 30 yards down the field with a defender in your face that saw Rodgers do for 15 years. Man, 
Where's Raven when you need him? He needs to stay away. <laughs> Look, he needs to get a restraining order, order filed. I don't want to see him for weeks. Um, it's a credit to the organization because Rodgers got pissed when they drafted him. And Rodgers shit all over Gutenkust and LaFour even caught flack over the last couple of years. Packers fans, you were idiots if you were calling for LaFleur's head last year during that 8-9 and nine season because, oh my God, he waxed every hair off McCarthy's ass this game. Look, Love sat behind one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen for years, and he came. now he looks like him. I, look, I'm not saying that every rookie QB that gets drafted needs to be put under the same rigors, but it's it's almost underrated at this point. How much being able to learn behind someone more experienced actually benefits these guys. And I know that guys like Stroud can break the mold, but I think in a lot of ways he's the exception that proves the rule. Because for every C.J. Stroud that comes out in his rookie season and looks great, you have a Deshaun Kaiser, you have Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you have these second and third rounders. You remember Christian Hackenberg? <laughs> these guys that have no business starting in the rookie season. They gave Love an end-of-the-first-round pick out of Utah the time to develop, and it has paid immediate dividends because he is top eight. And is there a Cowboys fan on earth that would take Dak over Jordan Love next season? No. Cowboys, welcome your new head coach, Bill Belichick. If they can court him away from the Falcons, apparently. Um, is there any chance that McCarthy is the coach next year? <laughs> I don't I don't even have anything like articulate or, or yeah. funny to say to that. It's just no. It's it's reminiscent of his time with the Packers where there was success the entire time, but I think a lot of the time it's been put at the hands of his coordinators. Granted, um what's his face going over to the Chargers and Kellen the, Moore. Kellen Moore going over to the Chargers in the offseason and the offense still being very good. Dak actually having his best year doesn't actually support that, but the fraudulent defense was um, in the hands of Dan Quinn. If you're the Seahawks, uh, good luck hiring the guy who just gave up 48 points in a playoff game when it could have been 75. I mean, small, tiny little tangent, but it was kind of sad to see... Uh... Stephon Gilmore really loses step in that game. He was getting cooked. I mean, he was hurt too. He had played better for most of this year than he was even on the Colts. But I mean, half of his body, his upper body didn't work. So I, I understand. And like anyone who's had a bad shoulder injury knows that even running with that hurts a lot. So I, I'm almost willing to give that somewhat of a pass, but I don't even think that solely falls at the hand of Gilmore. Uh, like, the pass rush wasn't getting as home as much as it could be. Micah Parsons got mauled the entire game, mm-hmm. which was funny considering it was at home. But I, Parsons got abused the entire time, and they did not call much of anything. It was it was a failure of the rush of the pass. Aaron Jones ate the entire time. Like this is not anything new. Cowboys only got five hurries and did not sag Jordan Love once. 
if you look at win percentages, which is just the relative time that you, uh, the percentage of time that you're winning your reps, so a pass rusher beating the offensive lineman, the only person who played more than a couple snaps that was above like 15% was Parsons. And he hit love once. Like, I mean, you want to talk about the opposite of a winning formula? Zero sacks. Right zero sacks. Pressure wasn't even getting to him, too. Again, it it plays into why Love looks like Rodgers, is that Rodgers can always get something around the defender running straight at him. It was great in the pocket, despite not being the fastest person in the world. Love showed all of that. He was 16 for 21, 272, two touchdowns. He and Stroud were the two best QBs of the weekend, which is amazing. And if you're looking forward to the next era of NFL football, these two guys are going to be at the top of it. I'd be more excited to have him than Dak, and it it just sucks that he's so much like Rodgers. Yeah. For- I mean, I I love Dak as a person. I think he's a funny guy. He's a great guy. But Did you see it's like, uh, if you want to talk about McCarthy not being here, you got to talk about me not being here. It's, it's like, like <laughs> okay. Okay, see ya. <laughs> All right. You get a beer? I love, love, love Dak, but uh, I almost said Zach. But <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> love you too, but I love Dak, but man. Yeah, no, that was not it. That was not it. Especially since he had that brutal injury and he's come back and been, again, had the best year of his career. He had the weirdest 400 yards that you'll ever see. But look, even the the tumult during this game where it seemed like they were getting mad at each other pretty early in the game, I think plays into coaching. And so that's something that, listen, say what you will. That's something that does not happen under Bill Belichick. That is that is a good point. Going back a few years, just a um, a rundown of the depressive state of the Dallas Cowboys. In a 2020 training camp, uh, Jerry Jones, quote, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but the facts are that I would. Right now, if I could, and I knew that I had a good chance to do it, I'd do anything known to man to get in a Super Bowl. He was literally talking about uh, making a deal with the devil. <laughs> per ESPN's Todd Archer on Twitter, this is the Cowboys' eighth one-and-done playoff performance since their last appearance in the NFC title game in 1995. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still laughing at the Jerry Jones quote, man. That's <laughs> it's so typical. Considering he looks like... Uh, Who's the uh, Chiron? The guy who uh, leads people across the River Styx. It's not surprising. <laughs> Looks like he already fucking got a. Uh, He's halfway. Felt the repercussions of making a deal with the devil. He's halfway into hell, so he has an easy line to him. <laughs> the Cowboys are the first two seed to lose to a seven seed since the playoff format expanded to having seven seeds. Oh man, that's a crazy stat. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know the Packers were the seven seed. So wow. Mm. Going back a few years. This year, they losing the wild card to the Packers, 32-48. Last year, divisional round loss to the Niners, 12-19. Brutal. It's the last game of Ezekiel Elliott's Dallas career where he gets bulldozed as the center on the last one. Oh, we game. all remember that one. 2022. Again, this is like the 2021-2022 season. Just stay with me. Wild card loss to the Niners. 2019, divisional round loss to the Rams. 2017, divisional round loss as number one seed to the Packers, and that's the Rodgers to Jared Cook game where it's the toe drag on the sideline, and they lose on a field goal, 31-34. to 
2015 to the Packers again, and that's the Des Cotic game. Twenty-one to twenty-six. Might I just say that Jared Cook is just doing the weirdest side quests with the weirdest teams. Good for him. He's just he's, he's just been on there. my fantasy team eight times, and I appreciate him every time. <laughs> he's just he he's just there. shows up. Good for him. Look, three of those to the Packers, two of those to the Niners. A Ram sprinkled in there. And if you had asked me when the last time that they made the the conference championship was. 1995 would not have been the guess because when you think about it, it's like, yeah. And for the most of the aughts and then into the 2010s, even with Romo, I mean, going back to, oh my God, going back to that with the, with the missed hold and him. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's been a brutal 20 years. And this is not me trying to pile on. Not that I have any affinity for Cowboys fans, but it just all underlines a mismanagement by Jerry who fashions himself as the pseudo GM, but it underlies a lack of outstanding coaching since Jimmy Johnson, who looks, we want to talk about how bad Jerry Jones looked, look at Jimmy Johnson on the CBS panel. Like he gave him a good pep talk. Clearly they didn't listen, but it didn't work. Look, I said, look a lot. Anyway, this is not the worst of these because Actually, I take that back. Is this the worst of those losses? I mean... Considering it is the culmination of 20 years yeah, of no, bullshit. Yeah, no, no. Culmination uh, being considered, I'd say yes, but uh, just alone, maybe not. Just because I don't know if they had as much hope as they did in prior years. When's the last time they had a QB that you would consider worthy of winning a Super Bowl? Um... I barely want to tr- count Troy Aikman. Yeah, no. <laughs> I I would not count Troy. Roger Staubach? <laughs> That's like a Jets stat. Where yep. it's like, when's the last time the Jets had a 4,000-yard passer? And it goes all the way back to Broadway Joe. It's been, it's been Romo to Dak. And some intermittent shitters in the 2000s. But... This was the year where Dak looked like a guy where if if he made a run to the to the Super Bowl and even lost, I would remember Dak Prescott from this season. Even though he f- is going to finish second to Lamar in MVP voting, if Dak made it to the Super Bowl or Muslet much less won it, I would remember him most. And just as the Cowboys have demonstrated for the last 30 years, they did not have enough. We'll be right back to wrap up the rest of the games from wildcard weekend in just a bit and we're back all right coming into probably the best game not probably the best game that we watched this weekend rams narrowly lose against the lions do you think the right team won unfortunately yeah i mean i did pick the rams i mean i was on on friday and i said it myself but i mean the Lions were clearly dominant in this game, and I saw them just, as the announcer said in the game, just moonwalking the Rams' defense down the field. Their offense was was hitting on all cylinders. Dog walking? So it was, no, no, moonwalking, you know, backwards. What? What? You don't get the expression? It's dog walking. No, no, moonwalking, like backwards across the field. 
it's dog walk. You dog walk someone down the field. Like you're, <laughs> you're taking. They the said it. The announcer said it, not me. They're wrong. Oh, whatever. Argue it's with the announcers, walking. not me. What? Aikman and Buck aren't necessarily the keepers of idioms. Like, hey, don't shoot the messenger, pal. Just, just okay. <laughs> um, I would generally agree. I also want to just give uh, credit to to the look. Generally, I am one to one to always denigrate division rivals, but I mean. Credit to Dan Campbell, credit to Brad Holmes, credit to the team that they've built, and just the players. Like, I know toughness is overrated, but like Sam Laporta played in this game and scored a touchdown after I was very annoyed at them for letting him get hurt in the last game of the season. Whatever, he still played. I think that they still have a questionable defense for sure. If you look at a I guess we'll get to Puka right now. If you look at a lot of these stats, like Stafford threw for 367 and two touchdowns. He also got absolutely murked during the game too. So the fact that he was able to do so despite getting the shit beat out of him is, again, a credit to him. I don't know how they let him keep playing that game. Well, no, he did the he did the old, I just got my soul exported from my body, so I'm going to run to the sideline holding my ribs. <laughs> he saw God for a little bit there. No, I mean it's like uh, when I was when I used to spar when I was younger. You would uh, your opponent would be disqualified if they um, if they drew blood when it was a a like more casual setting. So like if you got hit in the mouth and you started bleeding, what people would do, including myself, is uh, like suck in their lip so that you couldn't tell. It's the same thing where he got uh, his entire synapses rewired and then ran to the sideline pretending like it was his ribs. But anyhow, defense is still a problem. 23 points was generous considering Puka put up 180 plus of it. And if you look at his uh, his matchups against like every defender that went up against him, whether it was Brian Branch or Kendall Vildor, Kirby Joseph. One thing I was right about. Cam Sutton. One thing I was right about. That Lions secondary is ass. It's terrible. Cam Sutton gave up. And you as a Bears fan should know how, how dire it is to have Kendall Vildor in at the at the starting spot. I always made I fun of him for sounding spot. like a touchdown. Vildor gave up that touchdown to to Tutu oh, at well too. I, that is dire. That is dire. The fact that Brian Branch it might be their most reliable secondary player, and that's including their quote-unquote most prominent offseason acquisition in Cam Sutton, is bad. Hutchinson looked good. Everything else is questionable. However, dog walked them. Dog walked them down the field multiple times. Amon Ra was, I mean, outside of Stafford, probably the best player in this game, full stop. Big and fan of his game. I I compared Puka to Larry Fitzgerald. I I don't know. I'm trying to find something apt for him. He set the record for rookie receiving yards in a playoff game. So I want to like give him an appropriate comp because he's the Rams' best receiver now, right? 
I liked, um, I actually liked the Larry Fitzgerald comp. He is on that trajectory, and it's really hard to deny that. So also, I think he deserves to be compared to a legend. I don't know. Also, like Larry, I think he's thought of as a as a possession guy, but mm-hmm. he's big and a good athlete and eats monster hits and gets up every time. Yeah, no. I mean, like, the toughness that he conveys or showcases when he's on the field, it's just... It, it's just, like, it should be a message to all receivers in the league how how valuable that tactic can be at the position. Of course. The Rams are still set up for success. Kobe Turner and Byron Young, both Rams defensive linemen, were key rookies and top three in sacks in the entire season for rookies, which isn't all that significant, but it does, again, further demonstrate the Rams drafting ability. If I'm a Rams fan, I, I'm really excited about the team, despite the fact that they lost this game. They are super young, and I really like the pieces that they're putting together, and they're only going to get better from here. Which is kind of funny, considering like their fuck-them-picks mentality, uh, to quote Les Snead. Yeah, like, they still somehow got They still got managed to use picks. them picks. <laughs> but, I mean... Like, they, they still got diced up in coverage by Goff, who, awesome. Like, he had one chest pass backwards that was awful, but otherwise was pretty much perfect. He missed five throws, 277 and a touchdown, oh, airmailed one other one, but otherwise put Amon Ra, put Laporta, put everyone in a position to succeed. Gibson Montgomery weren't even that great. Like... Goff was as perfect as he needed to be. And when you win by one point, that's all that's necessary. Amon Ra, 7 for 110. They play the Niners next week. My question would be, is Amon Ra the best non... Is Amon Ra the best receiver in that game? Because um, it's him or Ayuk, in my opinion. Quick quick correction. Uh, they play the Bucks next week. Just kidding. If they, I meant if they make it to the NFC Championship. I'm assuming that they're assuming gonna, the Niners. I assuming they're going to beat the Bucks. Assuming the Niners continue their streak against the Packers in the playoffs. I think the Niners are going to be okay against the Packers. Yeah. No disrespect to Love. Yeah, I mean, I did say I don't want to count them out because I did say on Friday on the pod that uh, I was just I think the Packers were just happy to get into the playoffs, but then here here we are. They beat the Cowboys, so not going to say anything, but. It's a good chance that it's going to be I think, Lions, Niners. I think the Packers and the Lions are kind of in the same boat where the Lions shook the monkey off their back. They won a playoff game, which is they got they expelled those demons of Lions teams past. So to be in a position where you're kind of playing with house money against your team that you are superior then, like we'll get to it here in a bit, but Baker and the Bucks laid it on a very very flawed eagles team i don't know that that proves that much i think the lions are miles better than the eagles despite only winning one more game this season i don't think that i'm alone in any sense when i say that i'm far more confident in the lions than the eagles so i'm going to pencil in that win right now again maybe injuries come out i don't know the Bucks have been surprising all year. To see them in the NFC Championship game would be shocking, but not impossible. 
but I'm going to say if they get to a Niners game. Because Amon Ra is, I think, like, all the credit in the world to Mike Evans for having a resurgent year. I think Amon Ra is better than him. He's the best receiver in that game, in my humblest opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really tough to compare They play Amon so Ra much differently. To, uh, to Mike Evans, because it's literally, like, night and day in terms of, like, wide receiver game. But, I mean, he, he is kind of, like, funnily enough, uh, similar to Chris Godwin's archetype. I think he's closer to Godwin or um, even, like, Cooper Cup. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously he's better. Cross-race comparison there. <laughs> obviously he's better than Godwin, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of who I'd rather have on my team, I'd probably I'd probably choose Amon Ra, Amon Ra as well, Among Us, St. Brown. I think the biggest problem that they're going to have is that against teams better than them, i.e. the Niners, is that they need to be pristine in a way that their defense cannot support where there's a real chance that they're in a shootout with the Niners because I think that their offense could support that, especially if Laporta stays healthy this entire playoff run. But they are in the awkward position of having to build up enough on offense, but on defense, I really only trust Aiden Hutchinson. And even he is a lot in the like a lesser TJ Watt role where he's a technician, but not a game-wrecking, powerful athletic force. Looking at uh, the Stafford-Goff trade real quick, because that was the defining storyline of this game coming in. Is Stafford going to be cheered? Are they going to have a little tribute to him, which in a playoff game, insane. But looking back at it, the Rams got Stafford and the Lions got Goff and then picks. Those picks became Ifeatu Melifanwu, who has been a positive defensive player. I mean, I know I just said that I only really trust Hutchinson, and I stand by that, but it's not like they don't have other good defensive players. Aline McNeil was good this season, too. Jameson Williams, incomplete. I thought he was playing his ass off in this game, but this year, I mean, had a couple of really, really exciting highlight plays. There was that one end around. I forget against two, but... I think that's like the flats, the fastest that I've seen a player move this season. I know that the the next gen stats might not back it up in terms of miles per hour, but he still has that speed that he showed at Alabama, and I I think that coming into next year as a number two receiver who's not banned for gambling, he has a chance to, because I I labeled these players in green, yellow, or red based off of like the quality of the pick, and he's a yellow with a chance very much to become a green. Josh Pascal, whatever. Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta are both really good. Laporta, like, bright, bright green, because as a rookie, he's already, what, top four as far as tight ends go, especially as some of those guys start to get older. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd even go top three. Uh, as of right now, I I mean, it's, it's really a stinger to you know, drop Kelsey out of that conversation, but... I think out of respect... I mean, like, I would put Kittle and Kelsey above him, and that's about it. What? Uh, uh, and you could argue about Kelsey. I think you're forgetting Mark Andrews. Marky Mark. Money yeah, Mark. He doesn't count. Yeah, he does. He's he was, coming back. He was hurt. I was not counting him this year. No. Overall, sure. 
I mean, I'd put him over Kelsey, like I was saying. I think the only tight end that's got an edge on him is, is George Kittle in terms of this year. Yeah. Point being, good pick. And then Broderick Martin, who, whatever. Defensive player, rookie this year, third rounder, didn't do much. I. This is one of the few win-wins that we got. Because you go back to like the first golf trade when, when the Rams traded up. And it was the... It was the Commanders, right? Uh, for for Goff in the first place when LA drafted him. The com- then St. Louis. Oh man, I don't even remember that. Anyway, that trade. Uh, I mean, the fact that they made it to a Super Bowl with Goff, they won it because I don't remember any of the players from that deal being overly impactful. This one, the Lions rebuilt their team with those picks at least offensively Melifon was pretty good but their defense is still pretty bad so it's not like they rebuilt the entire team through it the Rams won a Super Bowl and the Lions built one of the three best offenses of the NFL very symbiotic trade yeah I mean I think we've seen this happen all too often I don't think it uh, I mean yeah no it's just like almost never a good option, but the Rams did. Usually when you trade the best player in the deal and that best player is a quarterback, you're going to lose by a lot. I don't think the Lions did. Credit to them. Yeah, I mean, the Rams got what they what they wanted, I guess, and Stafford and a Super Bowl ring, but they're, they're really lucky it didn't set them back more is pretty much what I'm getting at. Of course they're lucky, but, I mean, they're lucky to have the rookies and the young players that they do now. But you kind of make your own luck because they have always been all in. And they're going to stay all in until Stafford's too old to do it anymore. Amen. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... You're defending your boy? Yeah, no, I just like they're they're doing their thing. And I think you said it perfect. There you go. Steelers losing to the Bills. Uh, Future CBS panel member Mike Tomlin walks off the podium. We do not care. We do not care. Is that your least favorite Mike Tomlin moment or favorite? <laughs> because I don't know how you would view it. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't hide my love for Mike Tomlin as as a personality, dude. He's just. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's intentional most of the time, but he's. Is he's there hilarious. any way that he's okay? Not any way. That's a bad way to frame it. Is he the coach next season? Because like the because. Fe- the reporter didn't even finish her sentence. <laughs> Said, my, "Yeah, uh, Tomlin, your your contract's up at the end of the season, and he's gone." Uh, I mean, it's it's like I oh, think he will be left. in in all honesty, but I think that people aren't realizing that there is a serious probability that they go their separate ways. But it's because like it would be in more of a situation that. I mean, maybe like 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 Belichick, you know, it's not like he's incompetent. It's more so like they might the two organizations might want to part ways, you know. I don't know, because let's compare it to to the other situations where I think it's closest to Belichick, where it might just be they decide to part ways or like Sean Payton, Tomlin wants to just take some time away from the game and quote unquote. 
and then I can't see that happening with Mike Tomlin. I think Sean Payton's more of a <laughs> I, this is such a weird term to use on a coach, but a diva personality. I think you're right. Well, I mean, look at the way that he even he talked about Russell Wilson or just any of his uh, his TV work was actually okay, but that was also because Which, he was a little bit question, of a diva. Would you have expected me to sit here and give praise to Mike Tomlin? Because that's kind of what I'm doing right now. <laughs> it's kind of weird to realize that. Look, I think that that reaction either leads me to believe that he's just angry that people are willing to ask that to him, or it's because he intensely doesn't want to answer it, and he does not have the the tact in him after losing in a playoff game to actually give a nuanced answer. He's got that. He's got that business mentality like Belichick does, but in a more nuanced way. Where it's not. No, like, it's not Belichick. I mean, no, no, no. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. Like, uh, remember when Belichick uh, was about to get let go, or it was obvious that him and the Patriots were gonna part ways, and he was like, "No, I'm just really sad about the the Jets. You know, where just we couldn't we couldn't beat the Jets. You know, <laughs> it's like That's, just do that." Tomlin's <laughs> rendition of that was him walking off the podium. You know, he just. He didn't have... He, Listen, I'm not going to die on the it's your job to talk to the media hill, even though it is, but it was funny. Like, it's stupid, but funny. I, it was hilarious. I uh, I do wonder if the Steelers are a sneaky overhaul team mm. where, look, some of that defense is old. The secondary is not great, despite the front seven being quality. You mean you have Highsmith and Watt. But, like, Cam Hader, it's not getting any younger. You know, now that you prompt this, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it almost makes you feel obligated to part ways with Tomlin because of his his uh, consecutive winning season thing. Because He can hold on to that. Yeah, it's like they almost want to, like, cuck you with the rebuild because it's like... Good phrasing. You don't want to fully rebuild, but... It's because you still want to be in like winning contention, but you're never gonna get over that hump if you don't, you know, commit to it. You know, half measures are not a good idea. Ask my team. Like, I I think that's a good point because I think that the Steelers would be willing to do that for him. And then additionally, it's a lot of the same vein as Belichick, who actually was leading the rebuild for a few years there, which somewhat surprised me, but I think of it more like Mike Vrabel, who disagreed with the Titans front office for years, but in, from what I can tell, left because of a disagreement over rebuilding. And it might just be the same thing, but a more cordial exit where Tomlin's like, look, like I understand what needs to be done, especially because Pickett ain't the guy, that he understands what needs to be done, and he just doesn't want to be the guy rebuilding it. Yeah, I mean, is I, I don't want to sound like an asshole because I was going to say, like, I'm sad don't that worry. Pickett You're didn't right. didn't pan out. And I just sound like, oh, Pickett didn't pan out, whatever. But, like, I honestly, I didn't mind him. I thought that it's it's kind of sad that he didn't pan out, you know, because there was... I didn't have any fundamental problem with Kenny Pickett. It's just he... They, no, got, just, they rock it. I mean, you could say they got rid of Matt Canada, and so you need to give him another year. But, I mean, he wasn't that much better after Canada. He was a little better, but then he got hurt. 
I well, mean, you saying that just kind of gave me the epiphany. I was like, damn, he, he didn't pan out no. <laughs> because like it, it, you know, came to my attention just now that, you know, he could have been starting this playoff game, but he wasn't because Rudolph was outperforming him and he got shadow benched. That's kind of just like the nail in the coffin almost where Rudolph was already starting. So they were able to justify it and just be like, oh, you know, he's still recovering. Oh, he could play, but we're taking it easy. We're, sti- we're honest, sticking with the hot hand. Let's be honest. He gave him a better chance to win than Pickett would have. Not saying much. I mean, they. <laughs> it was 17 to 24, a decent bit through the fourth quarter. So I'm not going to like completely blame Rudolph, but he's not a starter. <laughs> but to be fair, neither is Pickett. Pretty good backup, though. I think Rudolph can stick on as a backup, and I think Pickett will, too. I don't think he's, like, Zach Wilson going to wash out of the league. It's just he was given two years, and for a team that is always expecting to contend, I mean, to go back to Tomlin's streak, as hokey as it is, it does reflect a team that's always in win-not mode. They are in an opportunity. They have an opportunity here to either get someone like a Fields they could get Cousins and just upgrade the position overall. I think if they could get someone like Cousins that Tomlin would stay and that they could just easily be an 11-12 win team next year, especially if they're able to at least shore up some of the depth issues on their offensive line isn't great. But receiver talent is still okay. They could use a third. And then if they're able to add to the secondary, I think that's the biggest issue. But that defense is still awesome, and they still have Minka. Like is still graded well and if I had them in fantasy they were pretty good and it's Tomlin Tomlin always has a good defense save for like two of those Roethlisberger years yeah no that's that's the chemistry between offense and defense it's always like you don't want to have what happened to the Jets happen to you ever because you have no. this like what you think is a historic defense and it's like you don't want it to go to waste by like trying to rebuild your offense or whatever so that's why like Teams will try to rebuild both sides of the ball at once. But I it's think hard. what you said is correct. I mean, Tomlin's almost always going to have that historic defense. So I think it's just time to get some new faces on that offense. I think that if you don't go all in, I also wrote down uh, Trey Lance as an idea just because he's still around. You know, if you want someone a little bit more exciting to bring in, but that might just be Kenny Pickett part two. Huge callback to what we were talking about earlier. I really wish that 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 is one guy that is pinnacle for me wishing that they had a chance to sit behind a good veteran. But maybe he did that this year with Dak, and he learned a thing or two. Who knows? I hope he did because, again, best year of Dak's career, and from what I can tell, it's not like Dak was particularly worried about Trey Lance, so hopefully he did learn a thing or two. I think... Rodgers, whether or not he stated it, probably had some animosity towards love. And to have a guy like Dak above you, maybe that made a big difference. And if he gets an opportunity in in Pittsburgh or somewhere else, it could be good. I could also see him um, being a guy that like gets traded to the Bucks or something. I think people forgot about Lance, and I have not. Hmm. I, I also think that if the Steelers are willing to take someone lower caliber as far as quarterbacks' prospects go, like Michael Penix or like McCarthy or Bonix, and they just get the right one, it could be an immediate turnaround, or they could at least be better than Pickett because, again, 
the bar is underground. But I know we haven't talked about the Bills at all. We talked about them during the Chiefs part just because they're going to play. Um, oh, yeah, they, that is true. They are the antithesis of what the Steelers did because they got the quarterback and then figured everything else out. Allen in this game, three touchdowns, two or three passing, and then 74 yards rushing and a touchdown. He's everything. He is the most singular weapon, the most unique weapon, as much as I hate that word, in the playoff field outside of Lamar. I don't think you would even disagree with that. And like even in the fourth quarter when the Steelers were threatening to come back a little, 17-24, they held up on defense, turnover on downs, and then on that drive, Khalil Shakir has a crazy touchdown run, which bails out a receiving crew that had been underwhelming up to that point. You know, I really can't believe what they're doing on defense. They had like, It doesn't make sense. They had like you like you just said clear Elam in the game and a bunch of like like they had AJ Klein. In AJ the game. Klein, Kair Elam, um I mean, I like Ed Oliver, but is he like the best player on their defensive line? I mean, Greg Rousseau is good as well. Rousseau is good. Um, they do different things. Yeah. Point remains that point remains that they lost their best players and the defense kind of got better <laughs> mcdermott's uh al-qaeda reference clearly i hit did home. hear i did hear that he uh did go uh on a lengthy soliloquy about the the togetherness and leadership qualities of isis prior <laughs> to this game i think they're six and oh since that happened <laughs> since i know that happened. so clearly clearly the speech worked you know nothing else just that it's a stark dichotomy. I think it was uh I think the the over under on this game dropped a ton and so to see either of these teams score 30 points is is kind of wild and speaks to Allen's ability. I think that if Diggs plays well next game, they win. I think that if he puts up another 7 for 52, they lose. And that's just kind of all it comes down to with this team because that defense has done the work. Also, I, I don't really know why they fired their offensive coordinator because, I mean, I get it that it get, it worked, but I'm not sure that Joe Brady's doing all that much different, but that's just me. Finally, another of the most, shout out the NFC East, goddamn. Eagles lose by a whopping 23. Couple of notes. Baker looks like the best QB in this game, and this is the most detailed notes I took on any of these games because I am just obsessed with the downfall of the Eagles. Mike Evans dropped a bomb on their second drive, and then right after that, David Moore of uh, Giants fame took it 44 yards to the house. Aikman and Buck were lamenting it the entire time that the Eagles' tackling was awful, and everyone on Twitter, including like Jay Gruden, were questioning why the Eagles couldn't pick up a blitz, where that was the, the Giants beat the hell out of them because they just blitzed them up the gut a ton. And guess what? I think even I think Aikman said at one point that the the Bucks it's a Todd Bulls defense, no shit. They kept blitzing over and over again, and they would keep coming out in empty. Like in the first quarter on third and two, they go five wide. And the Bucks, I believe, sent five, and Goddard drops it. And then even on that play, the problem with hers, Julio Jones was very much open. But, you know, they dropped a defensive lineman into coverage. Look, I know Julio's old, but I think he can beat 300-pound lineman to the spot. Like, it was confusing from 
the player's standpoint, and I know that you can blame coaching for everything in this. At a certain point, they didn't want to play in this game. That tackling was terrible. You can say what you want about the degradation of this defense from last year, but like, you don't want to tackle? What? It, besides the tackling, just the coverage was bad. On the on the more touchdown, Avante Maddox, the Eagles safety, just ran out of the play, took out his own linebacker, and then Moore ran almost untouched until the very end for a touchdown. It was so confusing. I don't know. He was dropping down to play the middle of the field, and then he just fucked up, and the over-top safety completely missed him on the left side. I don't know what the coverage was, but how is Matt Patricia still employed on a team that wants to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> what? I'm just trying to contain my excitement in the background while you're just... I'll, recapping I'll, all this. when I'm done you can do it oh no I wasn't even talking about that <laughs> uh the Eagles have the worst linebackers in these playoffs and they had them for ever since they were 10 and 1 and started to blow I mean Baker had his one like Baker throw in the same way that Goff had his one Goff play where he threw it directly to a linebacker but it was an Eagles linebacker so there's no chance that gets picked look Devontae tried he was good. It made me angrier that A.J. Brown wasn't there. Devin Tompkins, the Bucks returner, looked like Darren breaking sprolls against these terrible tacklers. Of the first 146 Bucks yards, 108 were after contact. They had a brutal safety. And again, another blitz got home when you're that deep into the end zone. Hurts held it too long, but what? why are you not in max every goddamn play if you cannot block anything? There was one point, I think it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter, where the Eagles were 0 for 7 on third downs, and because of the safety, this, the graphic said they had negative 2 yards on third down and negative 2 I, points. I pointed that out while I was watching the game with my friends. I was like... That brutal. is crazy. Brutal. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, they did, like, I remember when they showed the graphic, they did pick up a few yards with their, or DeAndre Swift, and that was the end of it. But it was, yes. it was a short and sweet lived moment to, to watch that. What a burn by the production crew. <laughs> um, Sirianni needs to watch his ass. <clears throat> See ya. See ya. See ya. <laughs> I wish it was see ya, but as I see you wrote down there, I kind of have to agree with you. He's he does need to watch his ass, but he's he's probably gonna stick around for another year. Let's be honest. I I don't know because I hear a lot of just what I've heard since the game ended. What I've read, it does. It seems possible that they let him go, but I just. I think it's too good to be true. I hate him. I think <laughs> so. I can't like it's it's almost hypocritical for me because I know I I wanted Eberflus to be fired, but like when it, but he's coming off of a three win season and then a seven win season where they didn't make the gains that were necessary and they're about to be in a position to draft their hopeful franchise savior. The Eagles are supposed to have all of that. And, like, they lost both coordinators and everything got so much worse. It was the most... 
uh, I hate using the word, but the most fraudulent 10 and one ever. It reminds me, you know, when the Steelers went 11 and 0 and everyone was like, I don't think they're good. It's the same thing. Going back to the Slay and Bradbury being trash cans photo on Twitter. Legendary. Terrible. They're both terrible. Mm, ugh, I I love Darius Slay, but I have no problem with them as like players that I appreciate, but again, touchdown after touchdown. They give up 32 points after losing to the Giants last week. They got cooked by Seahawks legend David Moore. David Moore. Was he? All, I thought he was also on the Giants. <laughs> also Giants legend. I wrote down Giants legend, but that's my bad. He was. I do remember him more on the Seahawks. Um, more positive. I think Bowles is an underrated head coach. I thought that when he was in New York, too. I kind of liked him. But he's been 17 and 17 without Brady. And that's about as good as you could hope after losing the guy that you kind of sold your soul for. The Bucks have been passable. And Mayfield was a revelation. They were top half in the league in defensive DVOA. And with everyone healthy, they shut down this injured team that had no business being here. Anton Winfield Jr., I think, wasn't he first team all pro? Ooh, first team? I don't know. But, yeah, he uh, definitely made the Pro Bowl. Point being that... Oh, wait, no, no. I don't think he did make the pro, made the Pro Bowl. And that was like a big controversy his dad was talking about. Because I think Buda Baker made it over him. And that should not have been the case. But No. Anyhow. Look, I think Mayfield's resurgence speaks to some of the mistakes, going back to what we were saying earlier about just the value of sitting and having time to develop, that Mayfield got put in a situation that actually benefited him and was stable and had at least a quality coach and good receivers, and it was not the Browns. So ultimate credit to Mayfield for bringing himself back to this point, but I I know Bulls coming down the stretch when it was unclear which of the NFC South teams were going to make the playoffs was a little bit considered to be a guy that had a chance of being on the way out. Just like with the Jets, I think we were talking about Adam Gase earlier. I think that Adam Gase replaced Todd Bulls. now that I think about it. He's a great defensive mind. Good job by him. And... Look, the Lions aren't perfect. If we see them in the NFC Championship game, that'd be crazy. Uh, this shitty-ass team also made Jason Kelsey retire. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, asserted that he wanted to stick with the team just because he thought that it was a legendary team and he didn't want to pass up the opportunity. And then he saw this and was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> he looked so sad and old. <laughs> so sad and old, he said. <laughs> On the sideline, did you... you I oh, I saw it. I don't know if it was just the lighting, but he looked grayer. Yeah. I I just like all I could think about when I was looking at him was when Travis was chirping him on the podcast and made him walk off. <laughs> He's like, what ha- what happened in that game versus the <laughs> the Giants? <laughs> and poor Jason He's like, all right, all right. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> That's all I could think about. Is this Okay, is Jalen Hurts top blank? Mm, mm, mm. Not top five. I'm going to say that right now. I don't think that that's an argument. Yeah, that's not. Well, because 
what was the, I showed you the the like the old takes exposed one where it was um it was I think it was a Bleacher Report thing where it was like all all the Alabama QBs starting in the NFL, and I said that Hurst was the best one there because it was making fun of him because the other ones were like Mac and um and Bryce Young, but would you rather have Tua? Sincerely. Yes, because he is... I think that's ridiculous. I think he's a, like, S-plus tier system QB. He's like, like you said, he plays his system perfectly, and when you set him up, he could be a key to success. But I don't really see anything in Jalen Hurts. I kind of see Hurts as the same thing, though. It's just a different scheme. (sighs) Well, the scheme's clearly He's a ma He masterfully runs RPOs. He is a dangerous runner. Like, say what you will about the tush push, but outside of that two-point conversion, apparently, it is unstoppable as a short yardage thing. That's going to suffer without Kelsey, for sure. Mm. Look, I think that they're kind of neck and neck, which, as top half of the league QBs, is not a bad thing. But when Hertz was a borderline MVP candidate last year and then for a lot of this season, it's disappointing. I think that I would feel safer about Hertz going forward. But, and I feel better about the money that Hurts already has than I do about Tua. Mm. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not trying to defend Tua and make make a case for him to be like an elite quarterback. I'm just trying to attribute to the point that Jalen Hurts is a tad. Well, no, he's very overrated. Again, I think very overrated is is rude. <laughs> Sorry, it might have been intentional. I'm not, I, if you couldn't tell already, I do not like the Eagles. Now, the real question is, would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Bryce Young? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see next year. I don't think we will. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Wrapping up. Don't count quick, them out. Quick thoughts. Don't have to make picks or anything, but games next week. In the divisional round, we have Texans, Ravens, Packers, Niners, Bucks, Lions, Chiefs, Bills. A, I think a much better slate than we were subjected to this week, and I think these games will just automatically be better. But, like, first reaction, which game are you most excited for? Don't just say the Ravens. Okay, well, I need to say that. Okay, guy. I'll go... mm, I'll go with the, the other AFC game. That being Bills and Chiefs. I think that's the answer, just because you're adding another chapter to the story between them. But honestly, like, I am sincerely very excited about Texans-Ravens and even Packers-Niners. I think that that one, if it's close, is going to be like 30-33 with two minutes left. And not to discount the Bucks and Lions, but that feels like the weakest, and that's still a pretty good game. So good on you, NFL. Uh, Brendan, thank yes, you sir. for joining me. Do you have anything else uh, left to plug other than Ravens um, propaganda? Nope, not other than rape, Ravens propaganda. Cool. Uh, I was thinking about closing us off with a little seance for the Ravens. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I that was a joke. What Do you want to summon the spirit of the people Ray Lewis killed to lead them to victory? <laughs> no. Okay. I want to leave them at peace. All right, word.
Well, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to listen to everything else on the Alethio Podcast Network. Thank you, Brendan, for helping me out today. Of course, as always. Thank you everyone for listening, and I'll see you all on Friday.